What is the doctrine of the fortunate fall? How important is it that we think about our sin biblically? And, once again, is Lordship salvation in the Bible? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible commentary to help encourage your time in the Word. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Well done, Becky. Thanks. You didn't even have to live with your lift with your legs and not with your back there. I know. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> right before we started recording, she was talking about how her back hurt and she couldn't do the podcast. Yeah. I said, you don't need I a need, back. I need extra motivation. Yeah, you don't need your back to do the podcast. But you do. You have to sit forward and eat the mic. <laughs> No, I prefer that you not eat the mic, actually. (laughs) These are pretty sensitive microphones. They are very sensitive. (laughs) I don't think you need to chew on this one. So this is the Friday edition of the broadcast, and we take questions from the listeners, which you can send to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. I've been, uh, over the last few podcasts, reading polls that I've been doing online. This is a poll that was inspired by our study in Hebrews this week. Mm -hmm. The first chapter of Hebrews states clearly... Without any doubt or ambiguity that Jesus Christ is God. True or false? True. <laughs> yes, true. That is exactly what the, uh, what Hebrew says. Yeah. I was sorry. I was a little distracted by... Yeah, you were um, looking at your phone. I was trying to... You were pres- trying to cheat. I was trying to preserve <laughs> my battery by shutting down all of the open windows. You're welcome. You shutting down your open windows? That's I know, amazing. All of them. You don't have like eight, 1,800 windows open. Well, I did. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> so of the sun, he says, Hebrews 1, 8, your throne, O God, is forever and ever And the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Amen. Plainly stating that Jesus Christ is God. So far on the poll, the poll is actually still going at the time that we're recording this. Mm -hmm. But so far, it's 100% true. Woohoo! Glad to hear it. Most of my my readers, my followers here, 100% turnout on the true. Nice. That the first chapter of Hebrews states (laughs) that... Jesus Christ is God. So listen to the Hebrew study. That's on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Still doing Song of Songs on Thursday. I've got a few more weeks there. Mm-hmm. And then once I finish up Song of Songs, we're going to go on to Isaiah. Woo-hoo. Also, upcoming what videos on The Chosen, Yeah. the TV series, Okay. what do Christians need to know about it, <laughs> polygamy, Excuse me. Mm-hmm. does the Bible say that polygamy is okay? Ah. We've answered that question a few times. We have. The active and passive obedience of Christ. Perhaps Mm -hmm. you've heard that mentioned in a sermon, but you weren't sure what it was. Okay. What's the active and passive obedience of Christ? So I got a 90 second video coming out on that. And I've got a few videos on the way uh, with a few more Christmas myths and what the Bible says. Oh, cool. Don't forget about the book. Mm -hmm. 25 Christmas myths and what the Bible says. It is available online. You can get it for uh, your e-reader. Mm-hmm. like Kindle or whatever else, or you can buy the paperback version. Telling you about it now, because the way that the book is laid out, it's it's kind of an Advent book. Mm-hmm. So if you started reading a chapter on December 1st, and you read the last chapter on December 25th, mm-hmm. then you can do Advent together with your family. Yeah, There's a Christmas carol at the end of every 
uh, every chapter. chapter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'd be singing Christmas carols together. I think the only the only song that gets repeated it might be Joy to the World because okay. I th- I think on December twenty fifth the very last you sing Joy to the World again. Nice, it's just a good song. It is. <laughs> but anyway, check worth that out. Repeating. <laughs> yeah, it's worth worth singing again. And there's uh, hymn numbers in there. If you have Hymns of Grace, mm-hmm. which is the hymnal that's put out by uh, uh, Grace Community Church, yes, John MacArthur's church, then the uh, each of the Christmas songs marks the hymn in that particular hymnal. Neat. So, yeah, you as a family could sing all together with that hymnal. And if you order it now, you can order a few extra and have them to pass out at your Thanksgiving meal. That's right. You, know, you could have been passing saying. them out at Halloween, but you didn't <laughs> think about that, did you? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hand them to some friends. Enjoy 25 Christmas Miz and what the Bible says. All the reviews that I get about it are always very positive. That's Even awesome. though there's that one person on Amazon who says the the humor is corny. <laughs> hey, I'm a dad. Yeah. I wrote the book to be enjoyed by families. That's right. Yes, there's some corny humor in there. <laughs> but I hope you'll still enjoy the wonderful facts and, of course, the gospel that's repeated over and over again Amen. throughout the book. Be looking for those what videos on Christmas myths that I'll be releasing on the YouTube channel pretty soon. All right, so let's get to some questions here. This first one is from Zachary. He says, Gabriel, I am the author of The Gabe and Babe Show. Awesome. I made the comment on one of your posts, (laughs) and then I heard it once on one podcast, then I heard it again on another. Yeah, the last two and now three consecutive episodes. Yep. We've referred to (laughs) this podcast as The Gabe and Babe Show. Has it stuck? I am glad it brought joy to you and Becky. To put a face to a name, I met you in between sessions at the Shepherds Conference earlier this year, near the front seating. The five-point buck reference might ring a bell and asking about Tool Time and Tim Allen. I vaguely remember that, uh-huh. but uh, Zachary, if I were to meet you again, I probably wouldn't automatically know your face, but yeah. I, I vaguely remember that conversation. <clears throat> he says, I'm somewhat nearby by Texas standards, one hour west of Fort Worth, and I attend Countryside Bible Church. Yeah, that would be, what, like two and a half, maybe three hours from here? Yeah. My family and I greatly enjoy, when we understand the text and the podcast, especially the weekly Q&A. As part of Reformed Faith Forum on Facebook, as an editor, it is always a privilege to share your videos and Twitter wisdom. Awesome. Awesome. Check out uh, Reformed Faith Forum on Facebook and give them a follow. Enough about me, he says. Just wanted to send a note of appreciation for you in the ministry. May our Lord's grace and mercy be with you all because of Christ. Amen. Great name, Zachary. That's our yeah. son's name, our yeah. oldest son. This next like one. It. That's right. Good name. <laughs> this next one is from Lynette and Joe, also from Texas. Hi, Pastor Gabe and Becky. I love listening to the Gabe and Babe show. <laughs> Apparently it has stuck. It, I think it's stuck. Yeah. Each Friday on I love it. <laughs> Each Friday on my drive to work, I am so blessed by each of you and your family. Dad and I are sitting at the dinner table discussing something I heard today and thought we would pose the question to you. Will you please address the doctrine of the fortunate fall or the fortunate sin? All the best, Lynette. Well, the fortunate fall is commonly known by well i'll say historically known Mm -hmm. by the latin name felix culpa 
Felix meaning happy or lucky or blessed. Okay. And culpa meaning fall or fault. Hmm. So the the fortunate fall or the blessed fall, it is actually a Catholic doctrine. This is where it originates from. Translated happy fault. And it is it's more a philosophy than it really is a theology. Okay. So the concept or the idea behind the Felix culpa is a way of understanding the fall of man as having positive outcomes. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden in Genesis 3, when they ate of the tree that God told them not to eat from, Mm -hmm. of course, we know the result of that was a curse that was upon the serpent. Mm -hmm. And even in the curse, there was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between your offspring and the woman's offspring. You shall bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's the the gospel, the, what we call the Evangelion, because it's the first gospel, okay. the first proclamation of the gospel there in Genesis 3.15. So since we have the gospel, even in the first part of the curse, therefore we have a blessed promise in the midst of the fall. Right. We go on and we hear the curse that is given to the woman and then the curse that is given to the man and all of creation falls into condemnation as a result. As said in Romans 8, all of creation has been subjected to futility Mm -hmm. as a result of the sin of man. Man and woman are driven out of the garden. There's the flaming sword that's put at the entrance to the Garden of Eden. We're separated from God. We're removed from paradise. It would look like everything is just a disaster from there on out. Right. All of the cosmos are sent into upheaval because of our sin against God. Mm -hmm. So we see the seriousness, the ramifications of sin and what the results of it are. The uh, the the fall that had taken place and, of course, death came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Now all die because of Adam's sin. Right. And we are all born with a sin nature. We are all yep. I- inclined toward evil from our very conception mm-hmm. because of Adam being our federal head. That's that's a doctrine of federal headship. Uh, doctrine of original sin. Mm-hmm. So so those things are all theological that we kind of wrap up in an understanding of the fall and then our sin nature and the and the corruption of all creation, the futility of everything, all of that that's resulted from the sin of man in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. But the Felix culpa is less about theology and it's more about philosophy. Okay. In the philosophy of religion, there is a category that is called theodicy familiar with theodicy you know what that means no we've never really talked about it Mm-mm. i've never I, I can't remember any time i had a conversation with you about theodicy no i think i would have remembered that word <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like idiocy <laughs> theodicy uh yeah of all the discussions theological discussions becky and i have had all of you listening right now are hearing our very first conversation yes. on theodicy <laughs> But the reason we don't talk about it, or, or we perhaps we've never mentioned it before, at least not under that name, we haven't talked about it. Okay. But it's because it's philosophical rather than theological. But it's a way to try to explain the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. If God is so good, then why does he allow such evil to exist in the world? Hmm. Now, theologically, those questions are much easier to understand. When right. you read Genesis and you get that, the problem of evil in the world is our problem. Right. It's not that God causes the evil. Mm-hmm. We are the ones who are evil. 
and we need a savior and mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is that savior and then of course you have the good news that comes in the midst of the curse yeah. the promise of Christ who was to come and we read in Acts chapter 5 that this was God's predestined plan from the very beginning from before the foundation of the world God had planned that he would send his son mm-hmm. who would be persecuted and put to death by the uh the conspiracy between Pontius Pilate and between Herod Mm-hmm. But then also the Jews and the Gentiles right. who would conspire together to put to death the son of God so that all who would believe in him would be saved. The greatest sin in the history of mankind also results in our salvation. So we understand that by Genesis fifty twenty, where Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Mm-hmm. And so while we do evil things, God will use even the evil that we do to accomplish his great purposes. Right. And Which are always good. That's always good. We, right. We had talked about that this past week when we were in Hebrews, in Hebrews 1. Mm-hmm. Everything he does, the, his scepter of uprightness, as talked about there in Hebrews 1, mm-hmm. everything he does is good and righteous mm-hmm. and, and ultimately comes to an end that results in uh, the praise to the praise of his glorious grace. Right. Everything God does is good. We do evil things, but God uses even the evil that we do to accomplish his great purposes. Mm-hmm. The greatest of that being the death of the son of God. Mm-hmm. So these things we can talk about, the problem of evil, uh, the solution to evil, the answers come to us in scripture. But when you are, are talking about theodicy, which is a little more philosophical, and you're talking about the, the Felix culpa, you're talking about something that, the, that is less theological. So you're trying to look for like the bright spot in the fall. The Felix culpa would almost be to say, it was good that Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the garden because now we get to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh. That would be like an argument of the Felix Culpa. So that's like twisting it to make it sound like sin is okay. Sort of. That This is one of the reasons why you, you run into these problems when you're trying to be philosophical rather than theological. Yeah. Because you're not, you're you're, not you're rooting. You're softening. Yeah, you're not really rooting such a claim in what the Bible says. You're trying to philosophically explain that it was a good thing we ate of the tree. It's a good thing that God let us eat from the tree. Uh, you know, as though to say that God is it's, not responsible for any evil here. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> but the reality is Adam and Eve were in the presence of Christ. Yeah. The pre-incarnate son of God. They walked with him in the cool of the day. Mm-hmm. Then they ate from the tree. And then what's the result of that? All of mankind is separated from God. We don't have that fellowship with more. Right. We need another way to be cleansed of the rebellion that we have done against God so that we can come back into fellowship with him because he is holy and we are not. Mm -hmm. And that way is made through Jesus Christ. There's the anticipation of the promise of Christ that is all the way through the Old Testament. It's like it's like the whole Old Testament ends with a tension that has not yet been resolved. Right. We're still waiting for the promised seed. Genesis 3.15. We're still waiting for a greater David. Mm -hmm. We're still waiting for the greater prophet or the greater judge. You know, all these different types and shadows that we've had. The greater greater Moses. Mm -hmm. Um, But we haven't seen him yet. He doesn't come until Matthew chapter 1. So you end the Old Testament with a tension that gets resolved with the introduction of the gospel at the start of the New Testament. And then Christ is that Savior. He is the promised seed. Mm -hmm. He is the... 
the prophet that Moses said was coming, Deuteronomy 18, 18, one who is like me and you'll listen to him. Mm-hmm. He is the, uh, the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7. All of these things pointing to Christ, which is great. The great thing about going through Hebrews right now is we read all of that in Hebrews. Right. Shows us how he's the greater Moses, the greater David, the greater word, even greater than the word of the prophets. Yeah. Has the greater ministry. Uh, so so it, Christ is the fulfillment of all of that. We're anticipating that in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So people are looking forward to that, but never having the chance to see it. Right. At least not with their own lives and their own eyes. Mm-hmm. But we're privileged on this side of the cross to know it by what we read in the Bible. Right. So we, ex- oh, yeah. we want to explain all of these things as biblically as we can, not not so much with the philosophical reasoning that would be like behind the Felix Culpa. So because the fact of the matter remains, Adam and Eve were with Jesus in the garden. Mm-hmm. True. And it was their sin that separated them from Christ. You True. wouldn't call that a good thing. Right. But again, it comes back to the end of Genesis, Genesis fifty twenty. what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Right. Yes. Ultimately, God had predestined all of these things for our good and for his glory. Mm-hmm. But we don't understand that. I mean, in our finite minds, in our limited existence, yeah. we can only go by what the Bible says. Right. It's difficult for us to grasp what what God has decreed from the beginning of the world. Yeah. Who may know his mind? Yeah. Who can know his mind? Exactly. Romans 11. See, you're going, right. going right back to scripture there. Yep. Or uh, Isaiah 55. <clears throat> his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yes. His ways higher that than our ways. That was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. That one as well. Yep. So, you know, maybe if you want to be a, an optimist, you could say, hey, I'm thankful for the fall because I get to know Christ. <laughs> maybe, I guess. I mean, that's that's not necessarily uh, not necessarily the way that we should look at it, though. I will say this with regards. I think it could lead a lot of people astray, honestly, from the if you if you're trying to, like, share the gospel with someone, that's not the first thing that I would go for. Yeah, right. It It just it's not. It's a good thing that they ate of the tree and now we die and get cancer. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not really the way that you want to explain uh, the goodness of things. No, not really. No. So, I mean, just to, to understand the depth of sin and how that separated us, that that's important because you have to have the bad news first and then the good news. Right. So if you soften the bad news... To be that's true. That's a good point. From the beginning, yeah. It. I don't think it would really make that difference. Like, oh, it, okay, whatever. It does kind of. Yeah, the Felix Culpa does kind of make a softening of sin. Yeah. Rather than understanding the seriousness of the gravity of it, right? Because be- it's huge. Because of which we need a savior, right? Yeah. Because I mean, in today's society alone, is just. I mean, we soften everything. Like, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. You know, I'm not a bad, not as bad as the other people that show up on the news, you know, or whatever. <laughs> right. So, I mean, my son's not that bad. No, it's bad. It's bad enough that we're separated. Yes. But that and that fellowship can only be restored through faith in Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, but, but I you, mean, it, it, it separates us so much that that it's worthy of death. Yeah. Like, yes, there's exactly. no softening of that. Yeah, right. That's huge. It is necessary for us to see how serious sin is. Yes. So that we understand our serious need for a savior. Right. Yeah. The way that we share the gospel is helping somebody to see their sin and need for a savior. Mm-hmm. If you're softening that. Uh, yeah, I, I why suppose would you be that, grateful for a savior? 
Yeah, right. I, if you don't know your sin, you don't know your need for a savior. Yeah. But I suppose that there, there's something behind this with regards to like some people think if you just proclaim the love of God, that would be enough mm. to persuade somebody. Right. But if you don't know that what you deserve is the judgment of God, then how do you really see the love of God? Yeah. I don't know. Because there are plenty of people that think that, you know, they believe universalism. Everybody's going to heaven and oh, they think right. that's the love of God. Right. If God sends anybody to hell, well, he's not loving. Right. Well, I went through most of my life thinking that God wants me to be happy. And so, you know, anything that I do, whether it's considered a sin or not, doesn't matter because God wants me to be happy. And right now I'm happy. Yeah, sure. So we all want God on our side. Right. So but but that. I, that was just softening of my sin yeah. and making it no big deal. So I'm I'm very much opposed to anything that does not. <laughs> <laughs> like I needed the gravity of my sin. Yeah, the Felix know. the Felix Culpa is really like the the theological. I mean, it's philosophical. It's really more like the philosophical conversations that I had with my college classmates in college. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something I'm going to be preaching on or would argue from yeah. the scriptures. I, I just don't think, Lynette, I don't think we're in favor of it. I just, <laughs> if you're, I if you're can, picking you know. up, yeah, if you're, if you're picking up any message from Gabe and Babe, <laughs> it's that we're not in favor of the Felix Culpa, yeah. I think that's safe to say. <laughs> this next message is from Jason, and he gives it to us in the King James. Suppeth, Gabeth, and Babeth. <laughs> Earlier, I sent a King James Version only dogs oh. meme, but I forgot to write anything in the body of the email. Oopsith. <laughs> I did see that email, and I really was kind of wondering, what is this about? Uh, I had posted a, a meme on the What Facebook page that had... Uh, it, oh, it was, it was an old one that I did on the older Facebook page, but uh -huh. it was uh, when your King James Bible friends pull up in the car next to you. And it had like guys dressed in old English going suppeth. Yes, I yeah. saw that one. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> so I, I so he sent this email and it only had the meme in it. He didn't have anything else written in the body of the email. Right. And so I just assumed, okay, he saw the meme on Facebook and sent another one. Sure. But here it is, it's these dogs they're going barketh, barketh, woofeth, woofeth, <laughs> girth. They're King James only dogs. That's cute. So he said, I've reattached the meme for your enjoyment. I truly enjoy studying scripture and have learned a lot from what videos and podcasts through the Holy Spirit. Please keep up the good work. Mm, thank you. We're not just the Gabe and Babe show. Now it's Gabeth and Babeth. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Ed in North Carolina. Good morning, Pastor Gabe. I enjoyed your Q&A last week. I guess this would have been two weeks ago now. Okay. On the subject of Lordship Salvation. As I do every week, and I am thankful for your bold proclamation of the glorious Christ and his gospel as revealed in his word. Mm. I wrote to you last year about the subject of lordship salvation, and you aired my question as the sole subject matter for that week. Babe was not with you for that particular week. This is every message we've read today <laughs> has been Gabe and Babe, every one of them. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> As you may recall, <laughs> as you may recall, I am also a fan of MacArthur and I appreciate his proclamation of the doctrine of lordship salvation. Mm. Yeah, because as I mentioned, uh, explaining it a couple of weeks ago, it comes from MacArthur's book, The Gospel According to Jesus, mm -hmm. which was written back in the late 80s. 
So Ed says, you did mention last week that the term lordship salvation is not in the scripture. However, while that is technically true, the specific doctrine is taught in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and proclaim in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Also, it is very specifically addressed in negative terms from the lips of our Lord himself. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, mm. will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. In this verse, Christ is proclaiming that the only true followers are those who actually demonstrate by obedience in their life that Christ is Lord. So it's more than just saying that Christ is Lord. Right. But it's also demonstrating with your actions that you believe that Christ is Lord. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's really uh, James as well saying faith without works is a dead faith. Right. So you can say that you believe, but if your works don't match what you're proclaiming, mm-hmm. then you don't really have faith. Ed goes on. One of the main arguments that I have heard against lordship salvation. So against lordship salvation is that to receive Christ as Lord would actually be a work as opposed to merely faith in the gospel. My response to that would be that faith is never merely an abstract belief in Jesus on the same level as believing that any other historical figure existed, but ours is an actual belief in who Christ is and what he has done on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I've mentioned before, being a Christian means more than giving mental assent mm-hmm. to Jesus. You're not just saying, uh, I believe that Jesus really existed. I believe right. he is the son of God. I believe the Bible is the word of God. Right. It, it's astonishing how many people that you will encounter who will say, I believe the Bible is the word of God. Mm-hmm. People who believe in liberation theology, which is a heresy. It's the idea that Jesus just came to liberate us from oppression, oh, from, from okay. social oppression. Right. They believe that the Bible is the word of God. Hmm. They'll say that. Mm-hmm. I believe the Bible is God's word. But. They interpret it as Jesus came to liberate us from social oppression, Hmm. not liberate us from sin and death. Gotcha. That we would be forgiven our sins and have everlasting life with him. Yeah, that's not what that means. Yeah, right. So so anyway, you you hear all kinds of people will use terminology like that. But what do they mean by it? Mm -hmm. What are they giving mental assent to? Right. (laughs) Or do they truly believe with their lives and it is therefore changed their hearts that uh, that they know Jesus is the Son of God and therefore follow him and obey him. Mm-hmm. I was just I was thinking about this on the way to work this morning, as a matter of fact. I don't know what I was listening to or what made me think this. I think I was just thinking about some of the things I've mentioned in the Hebrews study this week Okay, in Hebrews chapter one. So I mentioned that if you when you read Hebrews one, you can't come away from Hebrews with any other understanding than Jesus is God. Yeah. So you have the Jehovah's Witnesses who believe that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. The preacher in Hebrews is clearly laying out that Jesus is higher than the angels. Mm-hmm. So he can't be the Archangel Michael. Right. Joseph Smith, who is the founder of Mormonism, mm-hmm. teaches that Jesus uh, is an exalted man. So he lived and he, he was a completely normal human like any one of us and achieved perfect obedience and therefore was ascended to the level of the Son of God, Mm. which we can all do if we are just really, really obedient. So by our works, in other words, because Mormonism is a a religion of works. 
by our works, we can ascend to that certain place. And I was thinking about some of the things that Joseph Smith has taught. Like he believes that some people, or he taught that some people when they die will literally become angels. They're the people that aren't married. So if you live your whole life without a husband or a wife, when mm-hmm. you die, you just become an angel. Because remember, part of the whole thing with Mormonism is is that you oh, get your own planet. Yes. <laughs> And then with your dead husband and wife in the afterlife, you're populating this planet together, you know, anyway. So but what about the ones that don't have husbands or wives Mm -hmm. uh, in in this life? Well, they just become angels. That's what Joseph Smith taught. Mm. And and I was thinking about that because uh, he got that from the scripture where Jesus tells the Sadducees that in this life there's marriage and being given in marriage but in the next it will not be so for mm-hmm. we will be like angels is what jesus says okay and simply to say that we will be holy and the perfection in our bodies won't be for uh, uh procreation mm-hmm. you know that that's not in the heavenly kingdom got it that's a, a, a earthly sense, union yeah. right it's an intimacy that we enjoy on this side of heaven but is not needed or necessary on the next side of heaven mm-hmm. or in heaven. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> side of heaven. <laughs> so, uh, so all of that, I was thinking about all of that and, and how interpreting doctrines that way reveal that this man does not know Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just finding whatever random thing that he can find in the Bible and he just twists it to mean this, never reading and understanding any of that in context. Sounds like a lot of people yeah. nowadays. Right. So you'll have all kinds of people that say they believe the Bible mm-hmm. and they give mental assent to Jesus is God or, right. or mental assent to this is God's word. But what do they mean by that? And does their life reflect the Christ of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Now, I got to figure out where I finished with Ed here because his email's not done yet. Oh, OK. I'm like expositing his email as we're going through <laughs> this. Anyway, he goes on to say, so with that view, faith could always in some sense be viewed as a work when it's actually not. So with that in mind, I would go on to conclude as the entire New Testament proclaims. Hang on, I kind of came in there at a funny spot and I lost the train of thought. Okay. Let me go back a sentence. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you in context. I don't want to take you out of context, Ed. That, so that would be better. I'm going to go back here. He yeah. says, go ahead. He says, faith is never merely an abstract belief in Jesus on the same level as believing that any other historical figure existed. But ours is an actual belief in who Christ is and what he has done on our behalf. So with that view, faith could always in some sense be viewed as a work when it's actually not. So with that in mind, I would go on to conclude, as the entire New Testament proclaims, that my faith is also in Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I feel like you would agree with that. It's just another insight that I learned recently after debating with a friend on the subject. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard this said, and I've probably said some... A measure of it in the past before okay but you must believe in jesus as more than just savior you must believe in him as lord mm. i get that and i think that I, I think that that was kind of the gist of lordship salvation as well i think macarthur said that in his book uh the gospel according to jesus mm-hmm. i would just simply argue that if you believe in him as savior but not as lord then you don't really believe in christ as savior yeah that would just simply be my I argument thought they went hand in hand right I, th- I think but... believing in christ means you believe in him as savior and lord mm-hmm. so when i said a couple of weeks ago that i've not taught lordship salvation like i don't stand in the pulpit and say today we're going to discuss lordship salvation or right. you know uh, it, that doesn't mean that I'm in disagreement with it. Mm-hmm. I agree with all the points of it, the the basic main tenets of it and everything like that. 
you do have to show with your life that you truly believe who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, he talked about that in the very first parable, his first parable in Matthew chapter 13 with the parable of the sower. Yeah. So you have some seeds that fall on the path, some that fall among the rocks and the thorns. And those seeds that fall in the rocks and thorns, they spring up Mm -hmm. because they receive the message for a time. Yeah. But then as with the seed in the rocks, they have no root in themselves and then they wither away and die. Yeah. The seed in the thorns, it's the cares of the world and the temptation of riches that choke out the word and it proves to be unfruitful. Mm -hmm. But it's the seed that falls in good soil that actually produces a harvest. Right. So you'll see in, in someone's life for a time that they will claim to believe in God, but you never actually see the fruitfulness of that claim mm-hmm. being produced in their lives. Yeah. So did they truly believe in Christ in the first place? And then it's sad to watch them. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. So Ed goes on. I just believe that one of the most important missing elements of the gospel preaching in the church today is actually lordship salvation. And it is the reason why there are so many lost people in our pews who are seemingly not aware of their condition. Also, I am constantly amazed by how many times the doctrine shows up literally all over the New Testament. Right. It's, it's a biblical doctrine. Yep, I don't is. argue with that. Again, I am thankful for your ministry, brother. The word encourage actually means to inspire someone towards courage. And you do that in my life each week as I Aww. listen to your podcast. So I am very grateful for your ministry serving our king, Ed. That's sweet. I'm very thankful for that, Ed. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I think you and I are on the same page, brother. Mm -hmm. You know, no disagreement there at all. I would argue that in my preaching, lordship salvation is there Mm -hmm. in the sense that I'm going to be putting upon the Christian. Part of my exhortation is you can sit there and you can nod along with me, Mm -hmm. but you got to walk out of here and do it. Yeah, that's why the podcast and the the, uh, videos started. Exactly. Yeah. To so. to move people in the direction of putting legs to their faith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, you know, your, your faith has to have legs or it's a dead faith. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think he's mentioning that for like in general, like the vast majority of people aren't aren't preaching that from the pulpit. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, they're not or anything of the sort. Right, right. It, it's a lot of feel good. A lot of feel good oh, messages out there. That's good. that's most of preaching in America today. As long as we have somebody in the seat, that counts. Yeah, at and least it doesn't. At least they're not out there causing trouble yeah. for an hour on Sunday morning. Yeah, but they are the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and we've taken the youth group philosophy and put it in in uh, the pews in church. Yeah. To the point that there's not even pews in church. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a that's a that's discussion a for a whole other time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to send an email to us, the address is when we understand the text at gmail.com. Uh, I believe that covers it mm-hmm. for this week. You got anything else to add? Not that I'm aware. I tell you what, go ahead and throw your name and address in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we read your name. Uh, read your name. If we read your email on a future episode, if you have your name and address in the email, I'll send you 25 Christmas myths and what the Bible says. Perfect. We'll just do this for next week because I don't I don't want to stop anybody from buying the book. Go buy the book. Sure. <laughs> There's going to be people that are like, I don't need to go buy it. They're going to read my email and I'm going to get a book. <laughs> so we'll just do it for next week. We'll just do it for one week. So this is, uh, let's see, this is November 4th. We'll do it for November 11th. Perfect. That we've got enough time to be able to get you the books and you got them in time for December 1st. Sure. 
That'd be awesome. Include your name and address when you send an email, a question to the broadcast. And if we read your question next week on November 11th, you'll get a free copy of 25 Christmas Myths and What the Bible Says. Thanks. You're welcome. You already have one. I think it's awesome. (laughs) Okay, let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for those who sent us questions. And as we ponder these things, we think about all of this according to what your word says, not giving a philosophical mind to this stuff. It just sounds good because we can come up with the best philosophical argument, but we want to know what the scripture says. What has our Lord told us through the prophets and the apostles, through uh, your law and, and through what has been prophesied about those things to come for our sanctification? I pray that we would be attentive to this and not just read it, but even as James says, do what we read. We, we live out our faith. We have an actual faith that changes lives. And we would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to others so that they too would believe and turn from their sin and put their faith in Jesus so they would be forgiven and have everlasting life. Teach us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as it says in Philippians 2.12, for it is God who works in us both to will and to work for your good pleasure. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, do I got everything up? I don't know. You have your Bible open? Nope. Let me do that. What's that colorful box over there? Colorful box. Oh, this was a puzzle that um, the Browns gave me for uh, pastor appreciation. Fun. So I would open it up for you and show you, but then I'd have to put it back together. <laughs> Fair enough. And that takes a little longer. But I have played with it a couple of times. Awesome. It's a nice little fidget thing on my desk here. I taught I like uh, the An- colors. when Annie was in here, let's see, Monday mm-hmm. after school was done. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I told her, taught her a very, very valuable and important lesson for, for life. Okay. This is a, a, an important life lesson. Never, ever ever stack your real leather Bibles with your faux leather Bibles. The faux, oh, do they stick the to it? The faux leather comes apart on the real leather. Uh. Never do it. So hence over there, I've got my faux leather <laughs> and my that real leather. are all leather. falling apart. That's right. <laughs> hence why the real leather is not next to them. <laughs> that is actually very good to know. That, and it and it's a pain to get off when it happens too. It's Aww. not just an easy like tear it off. It's it can really mark up your leather. Aww. I'm very passionate about this. Well, good because we spend a lot of money on them. <laughs> it's an investment. <laughs> Only on the leather ones. Yes. <laughs> the faux leather ones are not. But notice I have mostly leather Bibles on my desk. The faux leather over there. Yes, I have noticed. Mm-hmm. That is. All right. Whenever you're ready, you can start. No, I'm not ready. I'm not feeling it. Okay. I'm well, kidding. <laughs> do we got to do something now? Need a like a dance, cheerleading. <coughs> Get a. Yep. Pep, cheer me on. Pep on. talk in here. Becky, Becky, you can do it. Da 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 da. I don't know. You were what? the cheerleader. I don't have any idea. <laughs> oh, I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. <clears throat> Well, my back hurts. That doesn't help any. 
You don't have to put your back into doing the podcast. I have fortunately. to sit up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just lounge. Okay.